Hello, everybody, and thank you for tuning in to another episode of Comic Talk, the podcast. My name is Jesse Rivera. Today, Monday, August the 10th, I have my very special guest on episode number 65 of Comic Talk, the podcast. Marcus Mangum is back. Yes, Marcus and I go way back, almost a whole year. No, I'm just kidding. We've known each other a while. He's been one of the coolest dudes to me in the Sacramento comedy scene. And right now, he has the hottest show in the area. Well, one of the hottest shows in the area. I'm just really happy for my friend because he, through hard work and perseverance, was promoting a show at the right place during the wrong time. And now he's selling it out twice a month. And he's going to talk about that. The show I'm talking about is a comedy night at the Pink Martini. I almost messed up and said Pink Flamingo, but I caught myself. And he's going to talk about doing comedy there, doing comedy all over California. And we also get into a really fun talk about audio equipment, mixtapes, and baseball caps. So, put on your favorite Yankee cap and tune in to... Marcus Mangum on Comic Talk, the podcast, episode number 65. Thanks for listening, folks. Take care of each other. I will see you soon. Mangum, how the hell are you, my friend? I'm good. I'm good. Jesse, what's going on? Excuse me, Uncle Jesse, what's going on? <laughs> you know, we always like, okay, me, honestly, like, I always say, man, it's good to see you. But like, now, man, it really is good to see people like. <laughs> they lie. Yeah. Everybody you forgot about. Hey, the janitor. Hey, man, I ain't seen you in a long time. Yeah. And, uh, and one thing I kind of, I kind of noticed too, is like, like maybe like six years, maybe like, maybe like eight months ago, if we'd see, if we'd see somebody we hadn't seen in a while and they had kind of like a fucked up haircut, like they hadn't cut their hair or they had it like, you know, you'd give them shit, right? Like you'd be like, dude, go to a barber. What's going on? You know? But like now you're kind of like used to like seeing your friends with like the COVID cuts, you know? Yeah. Everybody walking around looking like teen wolf. Yes. Yeah. Everyone a little, everyone, it's, it's, uh, it's okay to be a little unkept right now. Yeah. Yeah. I see that. Yeah. So, so how you, how you handling all this, man? I'm not going to lie. Uh, I've had some, some ups and some downs and some, some anxiety riddled days. Um, but I think for the most part, I'm pretty good right now. How, How are you dealing with all this, man? Uh, I've been cool. Um, I guess I'm, I feel like I'm a lot better now. And it's not, it's not like I was ever just like down in the dump, what I'm going to do. You know, it's just something that never happened before. And like everybody acts like they're super informed. I'm like, nobody knows what the hell is going on. There's a conspiracy. It's aliens. Uh, Russia did it. The Chinese. Like, I don't know what the hell's going on. So it just put a lot of doubt. And I was just wondering what the hell was going on. Like, looking around, like, what, like you can't go outside anymore? Like, when does that ever happen? Yeah. Like, adjusting to it? Um, I think it was, I'll be honest, like, the first month, I don't know why. I just did not feel like writing anything. The creativity was not there. No matter what I tried, it just wasn't there. But then eventually it just, I guess with mood and everything, adjusting, adapting, it slowly started coming back. I start writing a lot more, but other than that, I mean, you know, you just go to work and come home. What can you do? Uh, yeah. Eat inside of some church revival tent outside. That's about your only option. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you've been able to, to keep working throughout this whole thing. Like, because I think that's what really got a lot of people too is like some people, like, it just like the world stopped. Like they were unemployed, they couldn't go outside, they didn't know where the next check was coming from. Uh, luckily, I never had to stop working. Yeah. Yeah, I, well, I always had my other job. I've always been doing auto detailing ever since I lived here. Like, I got my old top, called Caps Auto Detail. So I've always kept that. That kept me busy. It also kept me sane, just something to do and not just be in the house all day watching, you know, CNN or Fox and people argue on TV. So it's kept my sanity. And, you know, now that things are slowly opening back up a little bit, like I've at least been able to do comedy shows outside 
keep keep my sanity with the comedy and try to work out some of the rust. Like I did 20 minutes of the night and like I got 20 minutes, but I haven't did 20 minutes on stage in a long ass time. So I was definitely studying my ass off. Was that at the uh, at the Oak Park show, the show out in Oak Park? No, that was actually, it was like a private party I did in Natomas, me and Carlos Rodriguez. All right, all right. 20 minutes, huh? Oh, wait, what's his name? Jordan Quittenbaum, is that his name? Yeah, Jordan, yeah, yeah, Q-bomb comedy, yeah. Yeah, 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 he, uh, he was the host for it. Oh, nice, yeah, he's a good dude, he's a good dude, always hustling. A lot of yeah. the promoters are just always hustling, man. Uh, you've got the hottest show in town, my man, what's going, like, I, I was talking to a friend of mine last night. Uh, we had we had we had gone to one of the Pink Martini shows together, so she knew uh, what I was talking about. And I was like, "Man, what uh, what what timing? What luck that that you had you had just secured uh, yeah. uh, prior to the the pandemic a great venue with great outdoor seating? And who knew that you know down the road that was going to be what was going to be allowed for a while." Yeah, I'll be honest. Both of those things were just luck of the draw. Me getting that place, they asked me about it. And the outside shows, they just happened to have a patio. Like, it just worked out that way. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. I'm, I'm glad to have it. I'm not complaining at all, but it wasn't something by design. It just happened like that. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's where, like, um, you know, some people say, oh, it's just luck, but it's just like that you, you were in the right place at the right time and, and you knew what to do with what you had, you know? Yeah. And that's, a re that's as a result of always grinding, right? Yeah, well, I guess, and then also, uh, yeah, they had asked me about comedy and they heard about the Comedy Spot show and they were like, well, can we do that here? So, you know, word of mouth and just, you know, making sure I was ready for it. Yeah, I... I was looking at my at my Facebook memories uh, just a minute ago, and uh, a year ago tonight uh, we were at the comedy spot, and uh, you gave me a guest spot, and uh, it was uh, it was Chris, uh, um, uh, Aurora, and Drew. Oh yeah, I think one other person I can't remember, but I remember that was a that was one of the first times you gave me a, you gave me a guest spot, and I didn't know it might have been the second time. I don't know. You've always been really cool to me, man. I really appreciate that. But yeah, a year ago tonight, we were at the comedy spot doing yeah, the. My, my girl just showed me that this morning. She said, Oh, Jesse. You know, I have to find her on Facebook. <laughs> yeah, it, it came up on mine just a little while ago, and I was, I was, I was scrolling through it. So let's talk about these, these shows at the Pink Martini. You've got, you've got one coming up on the 12th, another one the 26th. Another one on September 16th, which is my birthday, by the way. All uh, right. Um, September 30th, October 14th, and October 28th. So it went from a once-a-month show to twice a month now? Yeah, we – um, when COVID – the first show after COVID or whatever, we just gave it a trial run. And it went it went good. We were still working out the kinks or whatever. And then the next one went great. And then he was just like, can we keep this going? And I'm like, I was kind of iffy because, you know, like, it's a lot of shit you got to do before you can be like, yeah, I'm in with, like, social distancing and making sure everything's right because you don't want the place to get shut down. I don't want my name, you know, trash. Like, oh, this is the hot spot for COVID. Like, hell no, this is the hot spot for laughter. Like, I don't want yeah. none of that. So, yeah. yeah it's it's worked out, man. It's been cool. Yeah, yeah. It's it's great. I was talking to I, – I, I got a chance to talk to Johnny Taylor the other night, and uh, I asked him, I was like, hey, man, how's that Pink Martini show? And he was like, dude, it was fucking fire. He said he had a great <laughs> time. Yeah. Yeah, everyone, everyone's really liking it. Um, for uh, the show on the on the 6th – the show on the 12th, who do, you, who do you have on that? You've got – is that Rico the Great? Uh no, that's the that one. That's the one that just passed. The one okay. Up is the one with um, D. Tyler Pena, what else is it? Uh, Tony Roberts and Frankie Marcos. Oh, okay, okay, right on, right on. And then yeah, you've got a big one that's coming up next on the twelfth. Is um, are you? Do you think you'll ever get to a point where you're gonna do like two shows in one night, like an early show and a late show? Have you? Have they thrown that idea at you yet, or have you thrown that uh -huh. idea out? Well, I, they have it. My girl has, but I don't know. Cause I mean, <laughs> you know, it's not a it's not a comedy club, so it's kind of weird 
it's it's kind of hard to do a show at a restaurant because people with COVID, you can't sit people at the same table together. So it really, you know, lowers your, your capacity. And also it's a restaurant and people are just weird about it before COVID. Like, hey, these random people you don't know, do you mind sitting with them? Like the first yeah. time you go to a comedy club, you're like, hey man, I don't know these people. Why do I have to sit with them? Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> but I don't know. We've talked about it, but I don't know. Right now, it's just a lot, man. It's a lot for us to do, but it's also a lot for the restaurant staff-wise for the two shows. That's been the only issue. Because what I if, uh, first, I wanted to do a show on Sunday, like a brunch show, but just how oh, much nice. money he had to put in to, to run it for two staff, you know, to do the first shift and second shift. He's just like, I don't want to do it right now. So we've thought about it, but we're just trying to see. We're trying to figure it out. Like everybody, we just adapting. Yeah, yeah. That's that's great, man. What what else have you have you been able to do to to keep? Okay, so you said that uh, I ran into the whole writer's block thing too. The first like, but I think I was like the first two months. Like I couldn't, and I, I didn't even like, like, like I said, like I went through like a really bad depression. Like I know you you've done the podcast before here at my house, where like yeah. I let the podcast kind of take over the whole corner of my living room. Like yeah. I really got tired of looking at my podcast equipment so i put it all away and then like i redid my whole living room and because i couldn't i couldn't bring myself to to be this upbeat and cheery and like want to talk to people like for any period of time so like and like even when i tried to write like i couldn't like i couldn't find like i i didn't feel like there was anything funny to write about is that what kind of like what you were getting at with with your writer's block that you said you have the first month yeah, I just, it wasn't there, man. Like, I'd be like, oh, I'm trying to be creative. But once I try to put pen to paper, it's like, it's just not there, man. Like, I don't know, mentally, like, I guess it does something to you. You know, we don't have a proper environment or thinking pattern. I don't know. But yeah, I was the same way, man. It just wasn't there. Do you think it's also something where, like, I get a lot of my ideas just because, like, like, I'll go get a haircut and I'll, I'll, I'll pick up a conversation in the background or you know, I'm, I'm eating dinner at a restaurant and I'll, I'll see a couple and I'll see like the little nuances that they might be going through. Like, oh, maybe they're having an argument or it's a first date. And like that kind of, do you think it was kind of like you weren't out and like you weren't like around stimuli? There wasn't stuff like stimulating you? Yeah, it's probably, yeah, it probably has a lot to do with, you know, just triggering thoughts. Cause I do that a lot. Like something will trigger me and then I'll think, yo, that's a joke. I either got to put it in my phone, write it down, or I'll tell my girl, text me this, and then I'll know what I was thinking about earlier. Just, just <laughs> oh, that's hear- a good one. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's great. Um, what, so, um, at the beginning of the of the pandemic, when, when I heard um, other comics on, because, like, like, I listen to, like, like, I listen to Joey Diaz, I listen to Greg Fitzsimmons, I listen to Robert Amoto, I listen to, like, all the podcasts, uh, Bill Burr. A lot of a lot of folks were talking about that when the pan when when comedy starts back up again after the pandemic, that you better come with new material because like the old material is gonna feel kind of dated. Um, yeah. You you've started the how many Pink Martini shows have you guys had now? Like three, four? Uh, yeah, we're coming up on our third one. We've had two. Yeah. What what is it? What has the material been like from the from the comics? Is it has it been like a mixture of new and old? Yeah, um, it's kind of like, it's kind of weird. Like I was thinking when I first did, I'm like, how do you do this? Like, you just can't go out there and be like, hey, so how's it going? And just, you know, just admit everything that just happened. It just had like nothing existed. So it forced me to write like jokes about COVID or what's going on. But yeah, every comic that I pretty much have seen has said something about what's going on. Like you can't just ignore it. You got everybody in front of you looking like master shredder with mask on. So you got to, <laughs> <laughs> is the audience super excited to be out at a comedy show again, or are they still like a little bit, are they like kind of like looking around like in shock and awe a little bit still? I'll be honest, it depends on where you at. I go to the Pink Martini, and that's probably, to me, that's like the one time for an hour, hour and a half that things seem normal, just for that one time. But then, like, I did the show last night, uh, Drew Burks at Espen Park, and 
it was cool, but you could tell they were very skeptical. Like it wasn't not many people even took their mask off during the show. They had a plenty of space, but it was just it wasn't that free flowing thing that I had at Pete Martini. Like it was very like, hey man, get the hell away from me. I just wanna laugh. I don't wanna talk to people. So I don't know. It was kinda it was kinda iffy. It just depends on where you at, man. Like it's it's different crowds everywhere. You got people that don't I don't give a damn how much of data you give them. They don't believe in it. This shit is a hoax. And they'll do anything. They don't give a damn. <laughs> yeah, a I, I have a couple of friends people. like that. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's a market for everything right now. That's that's great. That's interesting. When um <clears throat> when when you first started back, okay, so like I know that putting on a show is stressful. Like just just a regular show is yeah. stressful. How much more stressful was putting on a show during the time of COVID? Like, how much more, more stress did that add to it? Or did you let, like, your girl handle some of that? And, or did you just re- rely on the Pink Martini staff? What was that like? Um, I would say a, a lot more meetings because it's not just me. It's the restaurant. So we both got to coordinate. He's got to make sure that he got everything done on his side safety-wise. I got to make sure everything's done on my side safety-wise. Like, they don't have menus anymore. You just take a picture with your phone and it comes up. The menu, like, it's a lot of stuff that had to be done. He had to retrain the staff on how to do everything to be safe about it. And then us making sure that the comics are safe and, you know, wiping mics down and making sure we get the mic condoms and all kind of stuff. You know, it's the evolution, but it's a lot of shit in the background that you have to do now. Yeah, I mean, it was already rough then, but now you got to make sure you're safe because your reputation, their reputation is on the line. Those a lot. Uh-huh. But at the same time, it's still fun because at least I got something to do at least twice a month. You can work out some comedy. That's great. Have you gone to any of the uh, the, the outdoor open mics, the, like the mics in the park and stuff like that? I got to do one. I went to Joey C's. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. And it was on the back of a semi truck or something, <laughs> but it was actually fun. Like he's got it set up with speakers and he had lights on it, and it's just in the middle of a big ass field. But it was actually fun. Yeah, that's what I heard. Everybody that that I talked to that went to that said that they had a ton of fun and that it was it was great. But I, uh, not not to take anything away from Joey C because he he's a nice guy, but I think also like everyone was just fucking happy to be out and see each other too. You know. Yeah, it was like uh, people running around with bikinis on. I'm like, wait, I thought this was an open mic. It's like it turned into Woodstock. <laughs> I think Joey was at Woodstock. Nah, he wasn't. I asked, <laughs> I asked him. That was like the first thing I asked him. Um, what? Well, so, uh, what? What are you? Everyone says like, okay, what? What? What are you missing the most? Are you missing just traveling, or or what? Uh. Yeah, I'll be honest. I do. I would at the time, but like you're so busy. But I do miss the road. Like I miss doing like a weekend in, in like Sunnyvale. <laughs> that was about them uh, trying to block the light. But like doing a show in Sunnyvale, like it's nothing much going on down there. But like it's a whole weekend. Like I did a weekend with Emo Phillips, and you know, just getting the the work in and the back to back shows like that's how you grow when you do a weekend because you're doing a show at seven and doing a nine whatever you messed up on at seven you get to fix it at nine o'clock or you get to fix it Saturday or you get to fix it Sunday like it's just back to back by the time that weekend's over like you feeling great like me doing a weekend in Vegas like playing in Hollywood you can tell me shit after that I was like man I just did Vegas and I did <laughs> you know, I'm here yeah <laughs> yeah. Well, did, but, yeah, did you find? Yeah, I'm sorry, I'm going to cut you off. Did you no, find this uh, uh, being a good time to to go back? Like, like say when when you said you were having uh, trouble writing, uh, did you find this a good time to go back and listen to your old sets and and rewatch stuff and rework stuff out or like bring old stuff back? Yeah, I did. Uh, I just had a day one day where I did it like. You know how you watch a cop show and they got the detective board? It's like, this guy's linked to this and this. I did that with all of my notes. I put them out on the floor and just tried to like link certain jokes to certain jokes. What could trigger this? Maybe this joke could work with that joke in combination. Like, just trying to do ideas. Like, I got a lot of notes I went through. Now, I did one set at Punchline, maybe 
maybe a year and a half after, I totally forgot about this set I did. I got one joke in there. I'm like, I'm an idiot. That was a great joke. So I'm about to bring that back immediately. Like I, said, I had about four minute joke that I never told but one time. I went back, I'm like, do a little tweaking, go under the hood, I can fix this. Well, a four, isn't that crazy how like we write so much that you could forget about? Because it's like you say that you had a four minute joke that you did a year and a half ago at Punchline that you yeah. completely forgot about. <laughs> but there was like there was like a point where like that was your baby. Like that's yeah. the, like that's all you thought about for like that whole week leading up, right? Like if I say yeah. uh or if I if I stay silent for a second here, like like you gave that so much care yeah. and then you, you, you spit it out at a show and then you forgot about it. Yeah. Now I, I remember when I first started like I was so focused I would write out what I had to say, and then I would do the audio version in my phone, and I would just replay it in my headphones while I was at work, my set, like word for word, just trying to remember it, trying to remember it. Now I just keep reading, go over it, go over it, and you know, sometimes I just figure it out on stage, because you never know what's going to happen on stage. Like, you might have it planned to go this way, but you might have to switch that shit up, because somebody might ruin it. Or, or or like or like you, you got your whole set like figured out right and you're and you're you're backstage watching and like the two comics before you do nothing but crowd work so yeah. like by the time you get out there like the crowd is just like they're just like salivating for another comic to freaking engage with and you're like i had no plan to do <laughs> <laughs> or he just did three minutes on your whole set like well they don't want to talk about that more oh I exactly yeah. yeah. Have you been, uh, uh, have you thought about how you're going to, uh, not trying to give away any of your jokes, but, you know, my favorite joke of yours, the uh, Raider Raider game experience. <laughs> yeah. So how did you feel that they kind of, uh, Raiders going to Oakland, did, did you, did you, are the, the Raiders leaving Oakland and going to, uh, to Las Vegas? Did you see that as like, damn, they're taking that away from me? Or did you see that as like, Shit, now I get to see the, the Vegas experience. Uh, you know what? I actually, they're not even there yet, but when I was in Vegas, my last show, I said, you know what, fuck it, I'm going to try. And I did it. You know, in <laughs> Vegas, it's nationwide. Like, nobody's actually from Vegas at these shows. But the reputation was such of the Raiders that they fell out over that shit. So it worked. But as far as the moving, um, not, I mean... When it first happened, I'm like, fuck, they're taking away a couple minutes of my joke. Yeah. But then at the same time, like, I'm out, we're out here in Sacramento and in the Bay Area. They didn't forget about them. Like, I can just put it in past tense. Like, hell, I know why they moved. This, this, this didn't happen. Yeah, yeah. It's a way to figure it out, bring some shit back. Yeah. I, I'm I'm a Broncos fan. So, like, I, like, always grew up in fear of, the, of those people and, like, I remember I went to I went to a Raider game at the LA Coliseum once, uh, Raiders Broncos, and yeah. uh, I was keeping my mouth shut. Like I didn't wear a hat. I wore like neutral colored clothing, and uh, and there was a there was a Broncos fan like five six rows ahead of us, and he was just raising all kinds of ruckus. And I was like, "Fuck, this guy's gonna get killed." <laughs> Yeah. And they were like, they were like going back and forth with them. They're like, shut up. And he would like throw back at them. No, you shut up. And then finally, like this Raider fan, like two rows in front of me, stood up and looked at me, pointed at me and said, hey, you need to shut your boy up or I'm throwing both of you guys out. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's looking crazy down there. Uh, I told my girl, she had, you ever seen the movie Mad Max Fury Road? Heck Yeah. All right, I told my girl, I said, in my joke, I said going to a Raiders game is like the set of Mad Max Fury Road. And it was on the other night. She had never seen the movie, and she saw the title, Mad Max Fury Road. <laughs> she said, is that the movie you were talking about? I said, yeah, if you turn it on there right now, that's what a Raider game looks like. Exactly. It on, and it was an exact scene of like a hundred people chasing somebody with sticks and just I was like, this shit is amazing. <laughs> yeah, and they got like the shoulder pads on and they got like the mohawk. <laughs> Everybody looking like Roll Warrior Animal and Hulk. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Man. Dude, that's something that's another thing about, about the pandemic, man. It, it took away all the summer blockbusters that that we thought we were gonna get to see. Man, I was looking forward to Top Gun uh Maverick. And yeah. now Everything shut down. 
Yeah. Like they tried to direct thing for a minute, but then they stopped doing that. Like the huge, huge releases. Like I remember uh, well, like the first week they put Invisible Man out and that was supposed to be in theaters. And then after that, I haven't seen much other than what Trolls movies or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they, and even like when Invisible Man came out, man, they were still charging 20 bucks for it because I wanted to see it. <laughs> yeah. I, I looked at it too. I'm like, I'm not paying that. Exactly. I think I finally ended up watching it for. I think I finally paid like the seven dollars, but yeah. I, I couldn't bring myself to pay the twenty dollars. But dude, when you go to the movies, you're you're spending like fifty, sixty bucks easily. Yeah. Like was like if you're going with a couple, you know, if you're going with the family, you know. Yeah. But man, um, what what do you think? Uh, so a lot a lot of people say that that you know some things are not going to go back to normal after this, that some things are going to kind of stay this way. Uh, and actually, like if I was a parent, if I was a parent, I would kind of hope that the whole uh, drive-by birthday parties still stayed in effect. Yeah. <laughs> Instead of everybody coming to your house, I'm like. That's definitely for me because my girl loves to throw a party. I'm like, why the hell are all these people always in the house, man? <laughs> <laughs> Drop your ass by and get the hell on. Just drive by and drop off the gift, right? <laughs> Throw that shit out the window like a newspaper and keep it moving. <laughs> did Did you go through uh uh when when COVID first started? I went through the uh, through the face mask phase of like I want like a like a cool fashionable face mask uh, yeah. versus like the like the like the doctor given face mask. But dude, yeah. the, those other face masks are fucking hard to breathe in. <laughs> yeah, the, I, I think I was the opposite. I was just like, whatever. I just need to go in this store, and now I'm actually putting some thought into it. Hey, man, let me get a black mask because I don't like the paper ones. Like they're cool, but I mean they're flimsy or whatever. But I want something to be reusable. You get about two, and that thing turns brown. You look like pig came from Charlie Brown. You can only use it one. <laughs> Yeah, dude, I, I had the thing the other day where, like, I was I, I left my face mask on while I was driving. Like, I put it on when I'm in the drive-thru, and then, like, I'll be driving away. Like, I had the thing where, like, my own breath was, like, coming back at me, and I was like, what the fuck smells in here? <laughs> like, oh, shit, dude, that's that's me. <laughs> yeah, you put a mask on and some shade, you need defogger for the inside of your glasses. Like, oh, <laughs> man, that's another thing. Yeah, you got you to gotta position it just right so that um, – but that's cool, man. Um, when um, <clears throat> oh, what I had a I had a question I wanted to ask you. Now I forgot. Shit. What do you want to ask me? <laughs> <laughs> I went, uh, what was that question you wanted to ask? Oh uh, hell, I don't know. Man, hey, have you been have you been buying any records? Uh, not lately. I've been on most of. Mostly I've been trying to get my sound system right. Like I, I keep it old school. Like I still got my, my amp and equalizer and all that. Like I, I love the quality of how it sounds, not just having a lot of stuff. So I've been nerding out and uh, bought a new Yamaha amp and a new equalizer and just trying to get everything set up to have it perfect. Like basically I kick it a lot of time. I treat the garage basically like my studio where I do a lot of writing or whatever and I just honestly I'm trying to slowly make it my utopia to write to chill to hang out like when I want to get the hell away and just have one room set up the way I want it yes. so basically man cave what, hey, uh, girl don't care about music the way I do but hey it makes me happy that's what I want to listen to exactly so you say you want you you're, you're you're nerding out on your on your sound system I know you got a turntable do you have a tape deck also? I have a tape deck and I have a, a it's like a, a new mock uh, where it switches from side to side where you do like blends and stuff. I'm a nerd when it comes to that. Like I grew up listening to a lot of like the mixtapes on the East Coast. DJs like Ron D, Clue, SNS, like deep into the underground hip hop. A lot of music that never came out. Oh, so shit. I get a lot of that stuff like archive and books and stuff so nobody breaking my house is mine i'll kill you over my stuff <laughs> and how how are you getting like these okay so because you grew up what where you grew up in north carolina again yeah okay so you grew up in north carolina and it's like probably the early 2000s right and you're you said you're buying you 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 that oh there like people would drop mixtapes and there'd be like underground dj mixtapes like 
how are you finding this old stuff? Are, are, are people like trading it on, on eBay? Are, are you buying uh-huh. actual cassettes? No, back in the day, you had to actually be a nerd and put in the groundwork. Um, let me see. In North Carolina, like, I would say starting out, my I got it from my uncle. They would always, we had a lot of family in New York, and they would get a lot of the stuff like Funkmaster Flex, uh, Red Alert, and they would send the tape down to us, and we would be playing it for everybody to have it I was right off of Hot 97, commercials and all. Fuck it, we got the exclusive music. Oh, and that's then, dope. And then after that, it transitioned to DJ start doing mixtapes like DJ Clue, Ron G, and they would always have the exclusive music. And a lot of times they would get music that they weren't supposed to have because they got it from somebody, but they put it on a national platform. So I really got deep into that. And you would actually have to go to like mom and pop stores. Like I used to go to a place in Raleigh, North Carolina. That was about two hours away. It was called Mr. Freeze Records. And you could go in there and you could listen to a bunch of underground. For some reason, he had to connect you. Every DJ in New York or every successful DJ on the East Coast would send their tapes to him. And that would be like the hub where you could buy tape from. So you could go in there and it had probably 15 tape machines. And you could say, I want to listen to Doo-Wop 17. He would grab the tape. You could listen to it, see if you wanted to buy it. And if you did, a tape was $10. I would go up there and I would probably, since it's so far, I would probably buy nine tapes. I might buy the Clues last three tapes that he came out, a Ronji tape, and then I would just take a chance with some random person because you never know who might end up being a kick-ass DJ or just have that one blend or exclusive song that nobody else has. And then after that, uh, I moved to Winston-Salem and all the mixtape stores were in Greensboro. Uh, that was near like A&T, the college campus. So I would drive down there maybe once every three weeks at this one little store. This lady, for some reason, she had everything. You could buy Gucci shoes. You could buy the R. Kelly sex tape. You could buy mixtapes. She had everything in one store. Hell, one day she offered to sell me an Escalade. I was like, what the hell is going on? She's so, like, oh, man, I see you spinning a lot. Yeah, I walked out with a soda and an Escalade one day. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's hilarious. But I, would, I would go down there and buy all the tapes or whatever and I just was a music nerd and for a minute, I'll be honest, I used to sell the tapes because everybody would ask me for them. So I bought a burner, a, a Harman Carmen uh, burner and I would just sell CDs for a long time, like in my job, because I was just a music nerd and everybody was like, well, will you burn this, make me this, make me that? I'll get, well, I'll sell it to you, like make it worth my while because I don't exactly. want to sit burning shit like i got my own life yeah man that's great yeah i i I just recently so um i i love i love music myself right and uh uh more more rock but like i think like like if i were like to to look at my music bloodline i think it's like it's probably like like 60 percent rock like 10 percent r&b and like 30 percent hip-hop right but like i'm i'm like I'm almost, I'm 48, right? So, like, I grew up, like, like I grew up at the same time that hip-hop was growing up, right? Like, like Run DMC and, and the Beastie Boys and, and all those guys. So, <clears throat> for me, like, I, I love, like, East Coast hip-hop more than, like, I love, like, West Coast. I mean, I'm not, not trying to start that whole thing, but, like, I was like, I'm more lyrics. Like, my girl's, She's never paid attention. She's like, until I met you, I never really paid attention to lyrics because a lot of stuff on the East Coast she had never heard. And she was like, but they're actually talking about something or whatever. And I'm not disparaging West Coast music. They're just more into the party. Let's have a little beat, right? On the East Coast, they're more into teaching somebody something or telling you what they've been through. Exactly. It's more of a storytelling type thing, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. And so uh, I, I <laughs> and then like growing up, I was also a Dodger fan, right? And like I'm always wearing baseball caps, like I have like a thousand Dodger hats, but like it's always been for, forbidden for me to be like a Yankee fan, right? But yeah. like the whole thing is, is that like like I love Nas, I love Jay Z, and like I like want to emulate these guys. So like when I see it, like Jay Z said it, right? I make a Yankee hat more famous than the Yankees did. Like yeah. 
So I guess what I'm trying to I'm, the the point I'm trying to get to is like I finally ordered myself a Yankee hat the other day. Yeah. And I know I'm gonna get so much shit from my Dodger fan friends, but like they don't get it. You know, like this isn't it's not about baseball, it's about hip hop. And like New York is the birthplace of hip hop and it's like that that's where the seed was planted, right? Yeah. Matter of fact, give me one second, Jesse. I'm gonna show you something. You might like this. Oh, hell yeah. Now I'm excited. Not that I wasn't before. Have you, uh, have you ever seen me wear this hat before? Yeah, yeah. That's what I thought. That's what I assumed you were wearing right now. Yeah, but then, you ever notice this? The Rock Nation logo? Oh, shit. No. It, yeah, Jay-Z put it out, and then a month later, they took it off shelves because they said they didn't have the licensing. So this hat is worth a lot, and I wear the shit out of it, which is a terrible idea. But I didn't know it was worth anything until I bought it. Wow. Because I wanted to buy another one, and I was like, why can't I find this hat? And then I looked it up, and it's like, nope, they took it off the shelf. Yeah, I, it's so funny. I was talking to, to a friend of mine last night, and I was telling her uh, about, like, a particular Dodger. Oh, I was telling her how, like, if I had to go to a Dodger game and somebody had on – somebody was sitting, like, close to me with the exact same hat that I had, like I immediately had to go buy a different hat. Yeah. And she's like, aren't they all the same? And I'm like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, oh, lady, no. you're not going to fight started. Well, no, they are not the same. But There's a difference between a newer, new era hat and a gas station hat. <laughs> yeah. Dude, I, I'm still upset that uh, MLB let New Era put the New Era logo on the hat. Yeah. Like, I don't, I don't like that. Like I'm, I'm a purist. Like I don't, I don't mind the new era inside the brim where like you can't see it. Like I know it's yeah. a new era hat, but like, I don't, I don't want to, I hate that I have to promote new era now. Like it took me, it took the longest time for me to break down and go ahead and buy a new era hat. And I still try to find hats that aren't new era hats, but oh, well, you got, you got to go. They're, with yeah. Cause they're expensive. The gas station hat. <laughs> <laughs> you can always tell the gas station hat too like the logos just like well or like you see like a cool gas station hat but like the logos just like a little bit crooked yeah. and it's the stockton kings not sacramento <laughs> <laughs> you don't even notice that you get outside yeah he didn't pay, he didn't pay, attention. <laughs> didn't pay attention to the finer details there <laughs> So do you ever have you ever DJed a little bit? You said you, you got the stuff where you could mix it and fade it in and out. Have you ever messed around uh, with it a little bit or is that just too Oh much? yeah, I mess around a little bit and I used to um I used to really be into the blends, you know, with the acapella with a totally different beat behind it. Yeah. Like I used to do that. I spent hours. Like I I put together one C D that was probably I think thirteen tracks. That thing probably took me two months, but it was probably one of my proudest moments because I was like, you know, listening to mixtapes all my life and putting it putting it together and it not sounding like crap. Like I sent it to the right people before I was like, Hey man, this is cool. Like, hey, what do you think about this? And it's uh -huh. like if you didn't tell me I would not know that you made this. Like I would have thought some DJ somewhere else made it. Like this DJ clue exclusive. But yeah, I still mess around with it. Like I love music. If we have a house party and somebody's playing the music and if they just doing a terrible job, I'll just be like, you know what? Fuck it, I'll do it. Like even if I don't feel like it, like you're messing up the vibe so bad, I'll just take my time off and take off take over. Like last barbecue, I couldn't take it. I was like, right, I'll do it. Just move. Yeah, you're like, if you're not gonna take this responsibility serious like <laughs> <laughs> like we're in charge of national security. Like, listen, this is a very serious thing. This is music. If you're not gonna take this shit serious, get out of here. Right. Like you can't just go straight from like hard rap to like an R and B song. Like you gotta transition it down. Like you can't, you know. Yeah, and I think with for them it was just like content. Like you can't play two live crew when you got forty seven kids running around. Like nobody wants to hear about ads and titties right now, man. <laughs> It's way too early for that. <laughs> yeah. Man, I'm, I can't be explaining what dance booty in the pants mean, man. Get the hell off. Turn that off. <laughs> or eat, eat the booty like grocery. <laughs> a child right here. I think a, a, a tape deck is the next thing I want to add to my to my sound system. I got the 
I finally came up. I don't think I had the Marantz amp yet when you came over. I I finally came up on a a, a Marantz amp and uh, I got a Techniques turntable and I, I want to add I want to add a dual cassette uh, dual cassette uh, deck. Uh, that's going to be next because like like you said, there's so much cool collectible stuff on tape and I wasn't even like touching like on the underground stuff that you're talking about. I'm talking about like the like the movie sound, like the, the first one that I could think of, like right off the top of my head is how like uh, the Above the Rim soundtrack from the 90s, the cassette yeah. had like three extra songs on it that the CD didn't have and two yeah. of the Tupac songs, you know? Mm-hmm. And like, like people don't even know that. And I'll be like, yeah, like this is the only thing you could get that on, you know? Um, yeah. But Wu-Tang was the opposite. They would put it on the CD where you get the secret music, the bonus stuff. And I'm like, man, it sucks. I got the tape. Why don't I have that song? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right, huh? Mm-hmm. Did you but watch... They would, like, they would do like three or four songs. Did you watch the, the Wu-Tang Made in America, the one that was on Hulu? Uh, No, I watched the one that was on Showtime, I think. I forgot what it was called. I watched that one, but I didn't watch the other. Yeah, I started watching it, but I, it was too long. <laughs> I, lo- I I really thought if it had been like a two-hour movie, I, I was all in. I was all in. But uh, I I wasn't when Wu Tang came out. I was uh, I was in a I was in a real music snob phase, and I and I didn't. Yeah. And then also like I go I go through this thing where like if everybody's listening to it, then I kind of try to avoid it. You know, and like when Wu Tang came out, like everybody was buying. Like that's all. Like was Wu Tang stickers on every car, like Wu wear, and I was just like, I stayed away from it. But like going back and listening to it, I'm like, God, this is so freaking good. Like, yeah. Like I was, I was the same way though. Like when they first came out, and everybody was just kept talking about it. I'm like, well, I don't want to listen to this shit. Like y'all just blowing it up, and you're wearing your terrible looking T-shirts that you brought from the corner store. <laughs> so it took me a long time but when I finally sat down and listened to it I was like I can't deny this like it took that first CD it just touched my soul and after that I was locked in with you say yeah yeah it just comes out and grabs you like and, and it's still that good like you could play it right now and like somebody who's never heard it, it you'd be hard pressed to convince them that it's almost 30 years old you know I just I, I don't think that I don't think people appreciate RZA like with the beats and like the samples like he created like it was done before but he mastered the genre of sampling like to have the high pitched voice or how to do it like I don't think there would be a Kanye if it wasn't for RZA because he got his style from RZA and he just took it to another direction but that whole sample thing RZA killed that early. That's that that's that's a pretty that's a pretty deep uh, uh, analysis there of. Uh... Where, where Kanye came from. I, and I, <laughs> I love Kanye's music, man. Like, dude, like, he's done stuff that's just, like, especially, like, like everything he did with Jay-Z. Just, like, all of that stuff is great, you know? The Watch the Throne album, oh, my God. It's it's amazing, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I just, that, I loved him, too. Like, I don't know what the hell he's doing now. He's just some random shit out. But like before, I would just listen to his album and zone out, and I'm just listening to it being a music nerd. I'm like, he put so much work into these beats. Like, it's so many things in the background, teens being baba that you don't pay attention to. I'm like, this dude is a genius. And then he just flipped the script, and I'm like, what the hell's going on now? I'm like, fuck the music. I, don't, I can't get past you being a clown. You're know, like Krusty the Clown every day now. <laughs> yeah, poor guy, man. I hope he gets the I hope he gets the help he needs because he needs uh, some kind of help, man. Uh man, Marcus, it, it's it's good catching up with you, man. And 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 honestly, like I, uh, you know, uh, I love I love seeing all my friends do good. But like y- you're such a hard worker, and you've always been a good guy to me. So like I I really uh, love seeing y- your success. And man, I can't wait for all of this to, to be done with so you can keep grinding and you can go back to doing shows in Vegas like you were before, man. Yeah. Well, like I told you, just the, when when we did the show, and I didn't even really know you like that, but I just appreciate the grind because <laughs> I see a lot of these comics or the, at the comedy club. Some of these people that are actually pretty good or have potential, 
and they grind their ass off, they just get frustrated because they can't get an opportunity. Like I know when I first started, it was some people that I was better than. I know I got to put in work and build relationships, but I was just like, just give me an opportunity. Like give me three minutes just to show you I'm okay or this potential on something big. Like you can do a hundred open mics in front of your friends, but nobody gives a damn like in front of an actual audience. So I saw that you were at every place that I was going and it was <laughs> me to be there because you know, like once you start getting more shows, you don't have time to go to mics all the damn time. Yeah. Everywhere I went, you were there, and I was like, I got to give this guy at least an opportunity, or at least to find out, do you want to do this? Because that's the one thing I learned. Oh, I lost you. There you go. That's that's the one thing I learned from Lance Woods was, if you want to do this, we're going to find out right now. I'm going to put your ass on stage. And that's how you figure out. Like, I talked to Mikey Winfield, and I talked to Steph Sanders, and they all said, we did the same thing. If somebody wanted to get on stage, fine. We'll get you on stage. But it's going to be at the most uncomfortable time of your life. We're going to find out. Do you want to do it? Yeah, it's, it's, uh, you either, it's, uh, it's, either, it's either flight or fight, right? Like, what are you going to do when you're in the corner? Like, all right, I'm going to make these motherfuckers laugh. Like, you know, and then you just you find that, you find that, that corner in the crowd that, that laughed, and, and you work on them, then you kind of slowly try to spread the laughter out, you know? And sometimes you got five minutes to do it. Sometimes you got 20 minutes to do it, but we're going to do it, right? (laughs) Like, this is what we do. I know we're about to wrap up. I just want to tell you this real quick. I remember I opened up for Marshall Warfield, and I I was maybe six months in the comedy. I was in Tommy T's, and I said, how much time do you want me to do? I had about seven minutes. She said, can I just do a like 12, 12 to 15 and then get off stage? So I had to go up there and fill about eight minutes on my own of just shit. Like, I'm, I'm trying to play it cool in front of Marshall Warfield, but in my head, I'm like, oh, shit, I'm about to ruin my opportunity. But I pulled it off. I was doing shit out of my notes, whatever I could find. Yeah, we'll figure that joke out. I'm sure that set was awful. <laughs> but I survived. But it's is it is it moments like that where where you like where you learn crowd work where like it's moments like that where to build yeah you learn crowd work you learn how to figure something out in front of people like if you forget something they're still staring at you like you have to figure something out they don't just turn your head like hey you know, he's having a rough day like wait well, what are you gonna talk about next they're always just what's next what's next so yeah it. It, it it builds you and it yeah it just like I love doing little shows. I've done a few bars that were rowdy as fuck, and I know my and Danielle's like, hey man, like I'm scared, like not saying like scared for real, but like I don't know how this is gonna work out. But I love to bring a crowd in and make them listen because you have to do that sometimes. Like you you've been there bars and shit where people don't want to hear the comedy. But if you can make them listen, you're doing something. And that's what it is with these little things that you have to figure this shit out. It's nothing. That's why they always, comics always say, you don't have to figure, you'll figure it out on stage and you need to just hit more mics. They always say hit stages, hit stages, because anything will get thrown at you. I've had the weirdest shit happen to me on stage. I'm like, what the fuck happened? I remember I had to go get a lady. You know how they give us the light or whatever? Yeah, they yeah. Gave light. I was hosting at uh, Rooster Tea Feathers, and she would just kept going. And I'm, I actually went on stage, and I stood beside this lady, and she was like, what? I was like, you got to get the hell off stage. Like, what do you mean? Yeah, some people just don't. I don't know about that. <laughs> like, why would the host just stand beside you during your set? Like, get off stage, lady. Like, what do you want? <laughs> oh, man. All right, Marcus. Let's wrap it up, man. Hey, good good luck to you. This 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 uh, uh, coming up on the twelfth and, and all these other nights, man. You're selling them all out. That's great, man. It's great. I'm so happy for you guys. Um, I'll I'll see you, anything you want to. Uh, I will plug all your all your uh, social medias on here. So don't worry about trying to rattle them off real quick. <laughs> I won't remember. <laughs> yeah, don't worry about trying to rattle them off real quick I'll, I'll put them into the stream and, and people will find them and, and dude your shows are selling out anyway man uh, I appreciate it and just real quick I just want to say I appreciate whoever listens to this that took time out of their schedule to hear what the hell I'm talking about I appreciate it because you have no reason to listen to me <laughs> and you are 
So thank you. And Jesse, thank you for interviewing me. Because, hell, I didn't know where this comedy thing was going to take me. But it seems like it's doing pretty good. And I just want to tell you, man, keep it up. Just keep putting in the work, man. That shit matters. I will. I will. I promise you I will. And don't let, don't let your ego before these shows trying to be cool, man. Practice your shit and get up there. Right? Like, I don't need to look at my notes. <laughs> yeah, I got this. I'm I got this. Me and Paul Conyers is here. I'm going to hang out with him. No, don't on your shit. Paul Conyers ain't going to pay your smud bill. <laughs> Especially in August in Sacramento. <laughs> Nobody wants to pay that bill. <laughs> All right, Marcus. It was good talking to you, brother. I'll see All you right. around. Thank All you, man. Peace.